0: Let's go!
1: The 4 o'clock football frenzy, frenzy. on Cofield and Company. company. All righty, hour two. I am fired up. I am fired up. That was a good hour. Xavier Pope in. up news. Attorney out of Chicago. Cultural contributor. Uh, we got massive news throughout the day today. Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. I almost said New Jersey.
2: I said it earlier, it's all right. Did I?
1: Yeah. Good. It's always going to be New Jersey. It was New Jersey Nets. Well, it was New York Nets before that. But, um, and then we got the conference Armageddon 2 coming. There's going to be more movement. UCLA, USC comes out early today that they could be, well, they are. Uh, John Wilner's report, they're moving to the Big Ten. John Wilner's report said, you know, hasn't been cleared at the highest levels yet. But I think what happens is you keep this very quiet and then you release it. On the eve or a couple of days before, it's made official. So we'll get to that in about 15 minutes. Willie Ramirez, it's Cofield. Jets down here at Silver Sevens. Happy hours going on right now. 277 on margaritas and shots and beers. You want to get in on the uh, a play? Join up anytime you play here. You're accumulating points, and they've got three days of free giveaways. You also get gets. You also gets uh, discounts on food upstairs at the Silver Spoon. So great place to uh, hang out. 24 hours a day here on Flamingo in Paradise at Silver Sevens. Football Frenzy. I saw CBS Sports came out. Ranking NFL coaches. This is always interesting. I know Pro, uh, Pro Football Focus did it a few weeks ago and had. I think they did it mostly on an analytic basis and they had McVeigh a little lower than most people would expect. Uh, they have Andy Reid 1, McVeigh 2, Belichick 3. They also have Josh McDaniels ranked as the worst coach in the AFC West, which if you've been listening, and I know Willie has because he does the show on a regular basis, I have been asking a lot of AFC West experts who's the best coach, who's the worst coach, who's the best GM, who's the worst GM because it's splitting hairs in the AFC West. And I think Andy Reid deserves to be named the best coach. But right now I I have no idea. Who the second best is or the worst is? Josh McDaniels the worst in the AFC West at number twenty-five. Nathaniel Hackett, who's never been a head coach, is number twenty-three. He's the Broncos' coach, and Brandon Staley, who had his highs and his lows last year,
2: in the middle of the pack at number seventeen in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I, I Reed definitely deserves one. I'm going to put Staley two, and you know when you're talking first-year coaches, it. it it, it's you. You. It's hard to, to judge, especially someone like McDaniel's, who's been out of the head coaching realm for X amount of years and been an assistant. So how can you actually, you know? I think that when you put these grades out, that you and they have them in sections: head of the pack, whatever the new kids on the block. And I get that, but I, I think that. First year coaches, I don't believe that they need that they deserve judgment. Now, don't get me wrong. If Pete Carroll is not coaching the Seahawks and he goes and coaches somewhere else, it's easy. But this is a guy who's just getting his second stint as a head coach. Right. So it's it's hard to pass judgment on him. Some, you know, the comments basically are just, you know, what well, We still need to see him properly run an entire organization as opposed to an offense. That's exactly right. So. You know, I think you throw those rankings out, and you don't really pay attention to them. You don't get your, your feathers ruffled, and you wait and see what happens because every team is stacked, every team is talented. So we're going to find out who the good coaches are because you better not fail with these with the talent that you have. And if you're gonna if if you're gonna lose your division games, they're going to be coming down to the end because that's because that's what's going to win these games this year is who who out coaches the other.
1: Brandon Staley. Had a top seven quarterback a year ago. He didn't make the playoffs. Why is he ahead of Hackett and McDaniel's?
2: Well, I believe that he he had the charges what a field goal away from yeah. the playoffs. He had him down to the end. And I personally like Brandon Saia. I like. I, I tell you what, we talked about this for the longest time uh, last season. I think it was like maybe every Monday. When we were doing our Monday night shows because if the Chargers happen to come up the day after, or we were previewing their game, it was just the nads on this guy, and and, and I think that he's an aggressive, you know, uh, current-minded coach. He's, not, he, he's he's skilled, but he's with the times, and he's 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 he puts his trust in his players, and I believe that his style of coach, I just I personally like his style of coaching. I guess is what I should say. Yeah, I like it too. And when I said, you know, he didn't make the playoffs with
1: Justin Herbert, that's not necessarily my criticism, but that's what other people will say. Rex Ryan went off on him last year. Right. Said the guy should be coaching junior college. He has no idea what he's doing in terms of the magnitude of what the NFL is. Now, this is going to be interesting with Staley this year. Will he stick to going super aggressive on third and especially fourth down? Now that they've bolstered the defense, because I think that that's what goes into a lot of the thinking. Hey, my best players are on this side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. Keep in mind, Staley was a defensive guy, um, but my best players on the offensive side of the ball, Justin Herbert, and then I've got you know great receivers with good size that I can throw quick slants to. I've got a good running back, although I hated that they ran him up the middle on a lot of those fourth downs. In Eckler, you just wonder if if his mindset changes because it's not all numbers about going forward on fourth down. Some of it is balancing the units, and sometimes you just don't like. I truly believe when I forget what what was it against the Colts when Belichick went for it on fourth and a decent you know distance late in the game on you know his own like twenty four. He's just like my D sucks. They got nothing left. Yeah. I wonder how much of that's factored in now to Staley change a little bit now that they've added more on the back end. They've added you know big name guys at rush edge and
2: you know and Khalil Mack. I don't think that I I honestly don't think that he should back off because he's a defensive minded guy. So because if he's standing on the sidelines with the offense he knows and what makes it tick, but he's got a defensive mindset and he can read what these defenses are doing and as they're making adjustments throughout the game and, and the personnel that's on the field with a defensive mind, he could he's gonna be know when to pull the trigger and when not to. So I don't think that you I don't think you pull the reins. I don't think that you be any less aggressive you've just learned from last year and you learned where to make those um, take those chances but I think that you stay with the same aggressive mindset
1: I'm confident that McDaniels is not the number 25 coach in the NFL he's at at worst I think middle of the road I have no idea on Nathaniel Hackett for all we know he could be freaking Adam Gase right he built his name one off of nepotism not to be unfair but you know his dad's Paul Hackett so that gets you into the league. And then he, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Now, he does have another great quarterback here in Russell Wilson. But I have no idea what that guy's going to be. We'll see. But to your point, all the excuses by anyone who backs any of these coaches about some kind of shortcomings, oh, our roster doesn't have this or this. Or that. No. Out. I'm not saying every all four of the rosters, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, they're not, they're not perfect, right? Right. They all have some weaknesses here and there, but they're all good enough, and they all went out and kind of went with the Rams' plan, spending money left and right. No excuses. They've all built. If you can coach these rosters. Yeah. If you can coach with – got rosters. Like You better at least go 500. I don't care that you're all going to knock each other off
2: in uh, in the division. And with the Chargers and the Broncos, they better take advantage of the weeks that the Chiefs and Raiders play those tough schedules because the Chiefs have – a rugged schedule. The Raiders have a top five or worst five or toughest five, however you want to phrase it, schedule. So the Chargers and the Broncos, now they're gonna to have tough schedules as well. But those two in general, so on those games where those two are facing some teams, if the Chargers and Broncos, you know the thing is about these four teams, they better win games that they're supposed to win. That's another thing. There's no there's no oops losses. There's no oh we we let that one slip by. With the talent that these rosters look like, they have to win those 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 gimme games. They have to. There's 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 just no excuse.
1: We don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but it's looking more and more like he could get a full season, yeah. and that changes everything for the Browns, doesn't it? And that changes everything for Baker Mayfield. Don't they have to revisit? And I'm I'm assuming this is why there hasn't been a deal made. They need some certainty on how long Deshaun Watson is out. You can't just piss away an NFL season and have Jacoby Brissett as your freaking quarterback. If Watson's out for the year, they're going to have to mend fences, and it should be an unbelievable motivator for Baker Mayfield to go and prove himself to get that next contract. Play for the Browns. Get things right. Hopefully you win and your career takes off. You you know it's a one-year tryout, basically. And you got a good team around
2: you. He's gonna. It's, it's an audition year for him. It's just a matter of whether he can, you know, you can mend all the fences you want. But if you can't get your mindset in, you know, I mean, we just got done talking it's about him. It's, it's a tough thing to deal with. It is. Your
1: replacement has been brought in yeah. now because of, you know, well, you knew about the circumstances. But most. I think a lot of people assumed, hey, it's going to be a half-season suspension. But if it's a year suspension, then Baker Mayfield's got to look at the positives here and not be all bitter. But who knows, man? He's an immature guy. Well, I
2: hope he's grown up here the last you know four or five months. But leading up to all this, n- nobody's been knocking on his door. So does he really have a choice? You know, what I mean, there are teams out there where we've all said, "Man, they could use it." A- Why, Seattle? What? They're good. Oh, okay. And nobody's you,
1: knocking you, on his but, door, but Willie. People get burned, right, and feel wronged. Of
2: course, they'd be like,
1: "There is no circumstance where I'm going to mend defense." Right. F him. I'm not playing for these guys, but so I wonder what what, what he's thinking right now.
2: So do I, but and, like really thinking, not and, you know. Not and, and is he willing her. to, if he's that bitter and nobody wants to pick him up, or Browns refuse to deal, whatever the case is, is he willing to sit out? Is he willing to miss an entire season? And say, yeah, I'll just wait. I mean, that's that's another thing you have to wonder. So he
1: told sooner scoop about coming back with the Browns. Nah. I think for that to happen, there'd have to be some reaching out. He told reporters at his youth camp in Norman, Oklahoma. Then he finished up by saying, uh, "We're ready to move on." I think on both sides.
2: I, I, I don't know. I I didn't know when he started yeah. being a spokesman for the Browns, I but I don't know. <laughs> the Browns are the Browns are ready to move on, huh? All I can't right, tell. Fake.
1: I can't tell the guy what to do, but I I would. Man, if you can swallow your pride, there's a good opportunity with the Browns to succeed. You've got weapons around you. You've got a good defense. The coach is good. As you said, no one else is freaking breaking down the door to, to get you. And, you know, if you want to go back to the whole coaching thing, the rankings, I don't. Pete Carroll's number eight on that coaching list. I don't think Pete Carroll's a top half of the league coach. I think Pete Carroll, in a lot of ways, to me, has lost it. If Pete Carroll basically rubber-stamped or, you know, drove the freaking bus, over Russell Wilson, back and forth to get him out of town, then he shouldn't be a coach in the NFL anymore. I don't know what and I, I don't know what his his grand plan is. What he, I'll, I'll be seventy seven, and you know I'll have uh, you know you name it.
2: I will say this: um, which great quarterbacks on the way? Right, saying, I'll win five years from now. Like, are you sure? You keep saying Baker Mayfield should suck it up with the roster he has, but he also may be thinking: Do I really want to go to battle with this organization? And this team, yes, it has talent, but the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't care what anybody tells me about Pittsburgh Dude, I and, and a retired I get, quarterback. I, I, get, I get the Mike division Tomlin. I get the division
1: strength, but, yeah. but you'd be the starter on a good team. No, I understand that. Your other options are to go to freaking Carolina, and Carolina sucks. If that's an and option. Seattle, right, I think Seattle's
2: a mess of an organization. Right. No, I get it. I'm just answering to your point of you saying he's got a talent around him. He may not want to go to battle with that talent in that division. Up next, we'll address our poll question. We've got college, sports, Armageddon
1: 2 here. UCLA and USC apparently are off to the Big Ten. Who survives? 2030, the year 2030. What's around? The Big 12? The Pac-12? Neither? Both? What is the situation? Enter to win a $100 gas card every 15 minutes from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. every Thursday here at Silver Sevens and the William Hill Racing Sportsbook.
2: Nobody thought it was coming, but. Here's
3: the thing. Anybody who pays attention to college football knows realignment is always there. And there could not be a more tumultuous time in college athletics than there is right now. This is a monumental change, though. And now you have these two super conferences flexing their muscles and clearly separated from everybody else.
1: Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Wait a second. What was at the beginning of that? Did she say no one saw it coming? I'm gonna have to play that again and cut it off. That was Heather Binich from ESPN. Did she say that? Are you sure? We're gonna play it because I saw this conversation. Now I hadn't thought about it, and it was buried- it was pretty you know buried conversation. But I saw John Wilner who broke the story UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. He broke it today, but. I saw some stories last year where he had mentioned it, um, and you know what's funny. I swear, Brad Powers, our guest in about twenty-five minutes, uh, he tweeted that he told someone last week that don't be surprised if USC and UCLA play. Do you have the other beginning of it or not? Oh boy! Nobody saw
2: this coming. Okay, that's it. Here's the
1: thing. That's it. Nobody saw this coming.
2: Nobody saw it coming.
1: Come on now. It, it is, it is shocking, it is shocking, and I. I will say, I think they kept it pretty quiet for the most part. But here's the thing. It's it's not shocking. From what the Big Ten has done, the Big Ten schools are up to about 75 or $80 million with their payout. The Big Ten is interested in getting schools that are like-minded, that are good academically, and more importantly, getting into big markets. If I say big markets five times, understand that's their goal. They're going to be in L.A. where they would like to recruit. They're going to be in L.A. with USC and UCLA. And to me, what this means is they're going to find two other schools that are West Coast partners. Mm -hmm. And now your choice is Cal Stanford for Northern California or Washington and Oregon for Portland and Seattle. If I were running a Big Ten school, I would want Cal and Stanford. With Oregon comes Nike. With Oregon comes a lot of other things, too, Well, uh, that are, beyond, me, that me, are beyond your control, Let's. Um, which then goes back to the Pac-12, you know, depending on if there were two more schools invited, what sort of conference is that? Because it's been an academic-minded, kind of snooty, and I think rightly so, right You're, the education actually counts folks i know, yeah. you know you think football drives everything but there are there are endowments at these schools that aren't necessarily all driven by football if that were the case then you'd have some schools that have no endowments because they've only had moderate football success but to me that's the next shoe that drops is who else goes from the pac-12 because there'll be two more schools usc-ucla planned by 2024 to get to the big 10. if cal and stanford go then what's remaining in the Pac-12 is a sports conference. Well, I'm not saying the other schools are bad, Willie, but if those schools remain, if Cal and Stanford stay around, then there's still going to be some academic consideration.
2: Well, no, and that's that was what I was going to point out, is if the Pac-12 dissolves further, do we see the remaining teams lose their P5 status? I mean, because you figure four could – we could see the departure of two to four more. We could see a couple go to – Big Ten – pill for a couple more what if the big 12 comes calling yeah i the way i look at i
1: this this is the way i look at it i think the pac-12 has tradition and by the way i know football that's what everyone is worried about but you know bill walton is true in saying the you know the conference of champions other sports do count women's sports do count yep a little bit um and like i said markets count right and the Big 12 is kind of this mishmash that has had to morph and adjust, and people are leaving. I think what happens is, first of all, Kansas is going to reach out first to try to get the hell out. I think they're going to be told by the Big 10, sorry, you're not a match, right? Uh, and then I, think the, then I think Kansas needs to reach out to the, the Pac-12 and start working behind the scenes to get Baylor and Texas Tech and TCU, maybe Oki State. But, again, I think if Oklahoma State's coming in, I think Stanford and Cal have to be gone. But, I, I to me, that's more likely. Um, and I heard, again, because the, the West Coast is so underrepresented from a media standpoint, all I heard today is, like, the Pac-12's done and the Big is going to flourish. Again, folks, the, the Big 12 has just been this thrown-together mishmash conference. And if it's about market size, I'm sorry, but... Just because someone gave an S about Ames, Iowa, seventy years ago, right? Whenever, whenever the Big Eight was, like, no one cares about Ames, Iowa. No right. one cares about Lincoln, Nebraska. Now I'm going to the Big Ten, right? But the some of the, the like times change. It's about getting money and TV markets. Big- now, now I think Kansas brings Kansas City, so that's that's part of it. But the the schools that should be most afraid, I don't think, are like. Arizona and Arizona State. I think it should be schools like Iowa State and TCU, which is a relative newcomer. I guess technically you could say, hey, you know, TCU has Dallas and you know Fort Worth. Um, I mean, they're in Fort Worth. Um, but that that's going to be the fascinating thing here is which conference steps up and tries to cannibalize, tries to eat up the other, and then what's left. And to your point, um, I think what's left is some sort of group of five deal. And by group of five, I just mean the money you're going to get. Not everyone's going to get these massive TV deals. Keep in mind, think about what's going on right now, Willie. Like, people are like, oh, why did UCLA and USC jump to the Big Ten and all that travel? And Northwestern gets $80 million a year from its TV partners. USC and UCLA are getting a little over $30 million. They must be putting their head through a frigging wall. Vanderbilt gets $80 million a year, or is due $80 million a year in the coming years. From the SEC TV deal, USC and UCLA are getting
2: thirty something. That's you—you you, you can't stand by and allow that to happen much longer. And if you, on a, from a local level, because we talked about this off the air, uh, how do, how does this affect the Las Vegas market in any way, shape, or form outside of the the obvious? You know, I'm seeing tweets all over the place: UNLV, let's go, let's go. Is let's not forget the revenue. And the uh, for a one-time event, but it's one of the biggest events, and it's it's become a it's now become a prestige bowl, the Las Vegas Bowl. The Pac-12 is the staple mark conference, huh. alternating with against the Big Ten and the SEC. So you're shifting two to the Big Ten. You could end up getting a former Pac-12 versus current Pac-12 in the game. But if the pick, Pac-12 keeps getting pilfered, you know. There's, there's trickle down outside of the markets that are within those conferences, in things like this, where yeah. you have.
1: I don't, I, uh, I don't see any benefit to the. Who knows? I, you know what? I don't know what uh, Klyakov, I ever say his name, the former MGM uh, executive, you know, who jumped at the opportunity to be the commissioner. I don't, I don't know what he has in mind. I don't know how tight the schools are. I'm sure they've seen this coming behind the scenes. I don't, I don't see a great if, uh, if Oregon. Washington, Stanford, Cal, don't get an invite to the Big Ten. I don't see this big interest in going to play in freaking Ames, Iowa. I, I don't like I don't I don't get it. I think they're gonna they're gonna stay strong. There's gonna be a West Coast football, you know, power, you know, all sport title nine conference and they will go and get who they think is a decent match and markets that, you know, are making some money, kids can get jobs coming out of school. I just think there's gonna be certain schools that fall by the wayside again just because you were power five 50 30 15 years ago time's change. The united states is changing population is changing economies change doesn't mean you have a lifetime invite to be in a big boy conference sorry daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m to 5 p.m including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the william hill race and sports book inside silver sevens it's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company.
3: Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. And listen, if you can't say anything real nice, it's better not
1: to talk You know, we had a great story develop here in Vegas at the beginning of the week, and it actually culminated with a cross-country trip for... A dude who's been a loyal employee, never misses time at work, right? How many of those people are there like that now, right? I even take vacation now. Terrible. I know. I'm a failure. But there was a dude working at a local Burger King.
2: Yeah.
1: This is a really cool story. 27 years, Kevin Ford at a Burger King. Never missed a day of work. Never called in sick. Every freaking day. He's there, so Inside Edition did a story on him and they start out by talking about the fact that he's never missed work, been there 27 years and some friends at work decided to give him a a care package, a thank you package.
0: Some people get a gold watch when they work at a place for a really long time, like 27 years. That's how long Kevin Ford has worked at Burger King and other fast food companies and he's never missed a single day of work, not one. He never even once called in sick. He was recently recognized for exemplary service by his peers with a goodie bag, and he proudly showed it off. A movie ticket, thank you very much. Ford was incredibly gracious as he pulled out each item. A bag of Reese's candies, pens, and two rolls of Lifesavers. Starbucks, thank you guys. He posted the video on social media, and it's been seen by more than 2 million people. half his life one
2: movie ticket
1: reese's pieces reese's 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 pieces lifesavers two rolls of lifesavers two you know the worst part about this you didn't get him anything (laughs) no this is i actually i want to find out what burger king works at because i'll i'll go over and just give him some cash right um but the worst part about this is I feel like this is like a pretty common experience for people who work like 10 or 15 years in a place and never call in sick. Yeah. And this is what you get. Yeah. This is why over the years, I don't call in sick often, but if I am sick, I am out. And I'm not saying anything about my current employer. Lotus is awesome. We get lots of vacation time. They're very generous, but there are a lot of places you look back at and you're like, why did not I just take all the days off I could have? Why didn't I max out every sick day? What what was I thinking? And this guy works every day. And they're like, here's a movie ticket, Reese's Pieces. I like those too, but, and two
0: rolls of lifesavers. The reporter continues here because the story does get better. But the overwhelming sentiment, seriously? Doesn't he deserve so much more? Now more than $215,000 has been raised on a GoFundMe page, proof that Americans appreciate a man who works this hard all his life. It's so overwhelming and beautiful, I, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to take it all in. And he says he doesn't begrudge the lame gifts he got in the goodie bag. I was just saying thanks for, for what I received. I was just happy to receive anything. And I just had to know what's the secret to not missing a single day of work in 27 years i know my secret is sitting right there my daughter you know my grandkids
1: right willie you got kids you got to support them you got to keep a job that means you have to go to work so i'm glad that that much money was raised he got to go to new york he was on the today show that's freaking awesome
2: it is it's commendable I mean, there's not too many people that can pull that off, uh, especially, with all due respect, in the fast food industry. Now, I, especially, if- think about—I I, I think he was working in the back of the house. If you worked
1: in the front of the house at a fast food restaurant through COVID, everyone who did that should get two hundred fifteen thousand dollars. Because it, it was, I'm sure, a living hell, just based on the experiences we saw pop up on video, how awful people were the fast food workers.
2: When do I start my GoFundMe account? Because let me tell you something. <laughs> you got to come up with this. I'll, I'm you know, going to tell you something. The small, I'll tell
1: you, the smallest part of me was thinking, somehow this is a work, Right. But you you can't plan something like this, right? How could no. you How could you put a GoFund no. and and expect people to react to it? Right? Maybe no one reacts to it. Maybe it gets no exposure.
2: When uh, so, when I decided to put my quote unquote journalism career on hiatus to be a single father, I knew that I wanted to never miss an event. Never wanted I I I could count on probably both hands in every single thing that Jordan has done since he was five years old to now, from bodybuilding competitions to wrestling to literally, you name it, less than both hands, less than 10 events in his entire life. And that's because I got in the sports betting industry at a certain, you know, at a certain time of his life where I could work anywhere in the world. There are only four days, and it used to be three, the entire year where that industry, There's no games to give out. That's the day before and the few days after the Major League All-Star game. So there's no games to write up. There's no analysis to write up. There's no free picks to give out. There's no sports betting. So when I got married, the morning of my wedding, I loaded the websites. On my honeymoon, I got up before she woke up, I loaded websites. When Jordan and I went on vacations, I loaded everywhere I've gone. Never take any time off because you're always writing sports betting analysis. Um... 2020, was that's why it was so stir-crazy for me because there are some people, oh, it's Friday, yay, or oh, man, it's Monday. I work every single day outside of those days around the Major League. When the Summer League started picking up and I started getting more assignments, that's right in that All-Star game window outside of 2020 since 2012 with AP. I've realistically at least put in one to two hours. All right, well. Now I'm working for Steve Coffield, and it's just, it's just nonstop. A,
1: it's a non-stop. nonstop. You get text all the time. I mean, it's like you know, you do a three-hour show. You're on call 19 hours a day, and that's that's the days that you're on the show. The other days, you're on 17 hours a day. It is what it is. All right, well. Uh, get me be, some lifesavers. Based on what I hear around Lotus uh, and the complaining all the time by employees, not <laughs> not that I agree with all of it, we're going to have a— uh, 31 GoFundMe accounts. Sure. Certainly all of our uh, producers will have a GoFundMe account.
2: Adam deserves one. That kid. Adam deserves a go. Jesus. That,
1: that's, that, well, you know what? Sadly, in uh, 2022, your retirement might be, might be a GoFundMe account.
2: You know the one thing I thought of this, and it's not because of this rundown, because I didn't see this until I got here, the, uh. the, the rundown today. But I, you know what I thought of earlier today? Um, I was getting ready, and I was like, I remember our initial conversation when I was still a fill-in, you're like, "Here's what I'm thinking. I want to blah blah blah." He goes, and I said to you, "Yeah." I said, "There's just going to be because so, the way you worded it." And my reply was, "Well, there's going to be some weeks, you know, that I'm not going to be able." And you said, "No, no, no. I understand, but you can't pull out on me on you know game day, basically on, on show." Right, you know, no, I need well, once, once we once and we I, commit, you know, I, I thought I thought about that. That's all. I thought about that today. I was like, man, you know, I every single time that he said, "Do you need? I need you this day, this day, blah blah blah."
1: Do it. Set him up. GoFundMe. I, I don't know who, I don't who's in charge uh, behind no, the scenes I don't, of GoFundMe. I'm just I was proud of that today. I Get thought,
2: it funny. We thought I thought of that today. I
1: appreciate you doing that. Thank you. 364-1100. Yeah. I appreciate the listeners as well. How about we give away a four pack of tickets any day uh, at the NBA Summer League? All thirty teams. You got eight games, up to eight games per day. All the top picks are going to be playing. Uh, some you know players who are pretty established. You know, with two, three, four years into their career are going to be there. You're going to have local stars like Bryce Hamilton and Orlando Robinson playing for the. Miami Heat, Donovan Williams playing for the Brooklyn Nets. The uh, Summer League goes from the 7th to the 17th in July. Thomas and & Mack and Cox Pavilion. You can get your tickets right now at UNLVTickets.com. But right now, we've got a four-pack of tickets good for any day. Call in 364-1100.
2: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
1: We get money, dollar, dollar bill, it's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. betting. With Brad Powers. Powers. Minus 5,000 on the yes that the Pac-12 will be a group of five conference by 2030. Oh boy. So the news is now in. This has developed in like 12 hours. Clearly there were people in the know behind the scenes. Uh, But Pete Thamel saying uh, USC and UCLA have been notified that their application to join the Big Ten has been accepted. The schools will begin play in 2024, August 2nd of 2024. They join the conference, and here we go again. College Sports Conference Armageddon. Brad Powers is here for it. Brad, how you doing, buddy?
3: I'll tell you what. Nothing says Big Ten football like a mid-October don't afternoon do it. UFC don't, at Rutgers.
1: Don't do it. You son. Everyone's <laughs> been doing it all day. I, uh, I caught a couple of Kansas fans doing it earlier in the day, and I was like, well, enjoy the Mountain West. So while well, you can make your little mocks um, about, sure. uh, you know, regional travel. But, uh, well, first of all, I, I couldn't tell if you were kidding or not. Was Did you have a source on this? But you said you told someone last week at lunch. You're like, uh, USC might join the Big Ten.
3: No, I just, I'm not, I'm not really surprised by today's moves. I mean, it's been following a close. I, I figured that the Big Ten would respond at some point to what the SEC did last summer. And I, I think it made sense uh, to, to, I know people aren't going to believe this, but I thought it made sense to actually go after uh, the, the L.A. market. So, uh, I mean, if you saw what the Big Ten already did. I mean, they went after big East Coast markets. Yep. And it's about dollars and uh, I, I know, geographically speaking, uh, the two schools don't make a lot of sense, but dollars wise, they make a hell of a lot of sense. And and if you're reading behind the tea leaves a little bit, what's the best way to you know lure one of the big white whales that's still out there, Notre Dame? Well, how about their their arch rival, the, the you know USC, where Notre Dame's always been you know concerned with joining the Big Ten as far as being geographically restrained. Now that's no longer the case. So I thought it was a a really good chess move by the Big Ten today.
1: Okay, let's talk about possibilities moving forward. What's what's more interesting for the Big Ten now that they have the L.A. market? Do you want Northern California with Cal and Stanford? Do you want the Pacific Northwest with Washington and Oregon? Or do you want Notre Dame paired with Kansas?
3: <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing Notre Dame-Kansas. I'll tell you, I, I think they'll go out – I think you're going to get a combination. It's just not a couple. I think you're going to see both the SEC and the Big Ten when it's all and done with 20 or more members. So wow. probably a couple more schools out west is my guess, and then a couple schools from the ACC. Like, I mean, I know this is mainly about football, but why not, you know, get that Duke-North Carolina basketball rivalry? I mean, as far as academic institutions, Duke, Virginia, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, the Big Ten profile more than, 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 you know, those schools joining the SEC. So I, I think a lot of that is going to be where, 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 where we're going. And in, in a quick, uh, short, fast and heartbeat here, I think in a couple of years, you're going to see a couple of major 20-team type conferences.
1: This is so crazy, too, for college football for obvious reasons, but also, you know, More subtle reasons like the pods, like conferences are coming up with scheduling ideas and pods. And I saw the ACC came out with their pods. I mean, I don't know. Is that blown to bits? Like, did you, was there anything that, that hit you uh, about the pods? I I thought there were a few that seemed to be a little uneven. Like I wouldn't want to be with Clemson. I know that, but was there anything in the ACC pod (coughs) system that caught your eye?
3: Well, I mean, Florida State has to play Clemson and Miami, especially <laughs> no, if Miami's going to be resurgent under Mario Cristobal. I was like, I mean, that, that pod's kind of rough, no? Yeah. Yeah, and then I know they're playing Syracuse and they're a weaker team, but that's still that's a road trip, I mean, that you got to make. So I thought Florida State was at least the one team that, that uh, out of all of them, really got the, uh, the short end of the stick.
1: Yeah, what's wasn't there – there's one with uh, – it's got Virginia – Ah, uh, no, I'm going to screw it all up. No, I'm going to screw the whole thing up, so I, w- I won't do it. Um, yeah, it's uh, that, that'll that be interesting. And then, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you think – so in the end, what's going to happen here? We're going to have – how many schools are going to be power five and really sharing the money of a real shot at a national title in college football, and then how many kind of group of five schools are there beyond that? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people looking around going, what the hell just happened?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be smaller than what a lot of people think. I mean, I think it's going to be – that the Big Ten and SEC are going to be your two major conferences, and again, I expect it to be, you know, right around 20 teams, maybe a little bit more, uh, believe it or not. And then yeah, there's going to be 15 or 20 current Power Five programs and institutions that aren't necessarily going to be considered in a power conference moving forward. So I don't know what that means for the playoff. I mean, I do think there's expansion coming there. I don't know if there's going to be necessarily automatic bids or whatnot, but uh, I'm, my expectation will be two conferences and everybody else. So, I mean, the, the big, the, the leftovers, the remnants of the Big Twelve, the Pac-12, the ACC. I mean, they'll basically be like the American.
1: So, what would you tell fans of UNLV, San Diego State, Colorado State, Boise State, who are getting chubs over this? And I, I mean, I, I basically haven't responded all day to people. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I got to say it before I believe it. I don't know if uh, you're all going into Power Five.
3: Oh, yeah, none of that's happening. (laughs) So, yeah, Power Five's done. It's going to be the Power Two. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the most interesting is, you know, if they go to these ultimate super conferences with so many teams, how many conference games are you going to be playing? Because the the thing that will impact the UNLVs and the group of five teams of the world is. How many opportunities are they going to get to get that big payday from these other schools? I'm guessing those opportunities are going to get smaller.
1: I wonder how many politicians in states where schools could be on the outside looking in will get real active here in the next year or two. Because it really is of public concern because if you're not getting a a a potential share of big NCAA money, how the hell do you fund all these athletic programs that have been set at these? I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. I keep banging on Ames, Iowa, because, I, you know, as you said earlier, it's about market size. And just because Ames was welcomed into real conferences 60 years ago, like, it's kind of irrelevant now. I, Like, I wonder if politicians, I mean, if, if I were in Iowa, I'd be like, wait, so Iowa gets to be part of it, but Iowa State doesn't?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a good, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, will it happen some of that they try to get the, you know their foot in, in there they will but I'm not sure that they're going to make a difference at this point I mean I just there's too much power going on and and another thing that makes sense as far as the two conferences I haven't you know there's a rivalry going on right now and it isn't just going to be the Big Ten versus the SEC it's going to be the two networks that are covering the two conferences Fox Will be predominantly, you know, owning the Big Ten and obviously ESPN with the SEC. So, uh, I mean, you're going to have bidding wars between those guys.
1: Can you imagine how much money is going to be on the table? Especially if you know all the players in the NFL rights want to get involved. You know, next time around, this is it's going to be pure insanity. It's great. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to follow. I, I like it, and I think from a betting standpoint, man, I I don't know what's going to happen. Down the road, from a recruiting standpoint, like how do you how do you recruit with all these unknowns?
3: Uh, I'm I and mean, just mind your business right now and not worry about uh, you know some future holds. I mean, uh, so I I don't think it impacts obviously this year's class, but uh, yeah, down the road, here's how it's going to impact money. We're talking these schools in the Big Ten and SEC. Are going to be bringing home annually from the TV contracts. We're talking 100 million now, and just 10 years ago, 15 or 20 million was what they were making. So we're talking four or five X already in just a very short time period. And those schools and those conferences are going to have a 40, 50, maybe even more million dollars per year coming in for recruiting budgets and whatnot, and for the other programs. The edges over the teams that are left over from the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC, that's where you'll see the recruiting de- disparities.
1: Brad Powers, Brad Powers, sports.com, at Brad Powers. Seven talking uh, college football. You know, I was telling Willie earlier along those lines, like you were just saying, you know, you're USC and you're UCLA, you're looking up, and because your conference leaders have completely flopped and failed the last 10 years, your TV money is like $34 million a year. Vandy's getting 80. At some point you're like, this yep. is this is stupid. We have to do something about this. Which let, Let's go back to the Pac-12 for a second. Boy, Larry Scott, the commissioner, former commissioner of the Pac-12, bruh. Like I don't, I don't know if he just didn't care. I mean, a lot of the stories you read, he just didn't care. But also the, the inability to bond Pac-12 schools together um, and grab Texas and Oklahoma when that was sort of a, a, they had a shot at it. I mean, that may have been the death knell of this whole freaking thing. This, you know, this conference with you know 80, 90 years of tradition.
3: Yeah, I think it was three things. Uh, and you mentioned two of them. Uh, obviously, ineptitude of leadership at the top. Larry Scott, I mean, one of the worst, you know, commissioners, conference commissioners in the last, you know, couple decades at least. Uh, number two, it was, you're right. It was really close about them pulling Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It was like four schools. And we're talking this was like 10 years ago. And that was much closer than I think people realized. And the third thing was uh, th- their flagship program just happened to take a dive the last decade, USC. I mean, had they stayed national power like they were under Pete Carroll, I'm not sure they're making that move right now because I think the PACs will be in such better shape uh, from a TV, uh, you know, monetary aspect. Uh,
1: I know you go on a lot of shows in SEC country, traditional SEC country. Uh, what's been the reaction from some of those radio people and, and your reaction to Arch Manning spurning the traditional schools and picking Texas?
3: Uh, I mean, I think it was a blow for Georgia. Uh, I mean, so they got some, you know, quarterback issues there, but, I mean, they proved that yeah, you don't necessarily need a great quarterback to win the national title. You know, I, I guess my biggest takeaway from it, uh, you know, n- not relying on the people that I talk to, I, I'll say this. There's a big quarterback camp going on right now. It's called the Elite 11. Arch Manning's not there. He hasn't attended any of these camps, the seven-on-sevens and whatnot. I, this is my personal opinion. I think Arch Manning's a five-star last name, but he's not the number one overall player in the country. I think he's going to have Ooh. a disappointing career. Really? Yeah. Wow, so
1: you think, I you like think it. will Quinn Ewers stay around and actually compete for the job?
3: Oh, I think so, I, and I expect Quinn Ewers to be the starting quarterback next year, even when Arch uh, gets there.
1: Nice. That's a bombshell. Brad, we appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Appreciate you guys. Take care.
1: There he is, Brad Powers. At Brad Powers 7. Up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. 5 o'clock hours on the way.